Six. That was six. That was kind of a, kind of a medium waterfall. It's kind of gentle. Let's see if we can do a little faster one. Okay. You ready? Keep counting. Wow. That's about two and a half, three. Okay. All right. Do you think we can do it really, really fast? Yes. You're right. And I'm going to show you a picture of a giant one. I'm going to tell you the story of the giant waterfall. But right now, let's see if we can do it. Do you think we can do it in one second? And then spill it on my feet. Well, maybe I'll move my feet. My feet are pretty big, pretty hard to miss. Okay, on your mark, get set, go. Pretty good, eh? Why? And there's not too much. Okay. Do you know what? I'm going to tell you guys a story of a giant waterfall that is in Canada, and it is really cool. Oh, look, what's in the middle of the picture? A waterfall? What's in the middle of the waterfall? A rainbow. How cool is that? This is a place called Niagara Falls. Now, I need you to use your imagination, okay? I want you to look up. See those big beams there? Those big logs? Out from there, that would really hurt. It's really big. I love your spider shoes. Now, use your imagination, okay? Now, look up there. Imagine going way up above the roof and further and further, like five times higher than the ceiling. Five times, so way, way up there, okay? Now, okay, now, that's how tall Niagara Falls is. It's five times higher than our ceiling. Now, you know how big it is, how wide it is, how long it is? It takes a long time. So if we started here, we walked through the back door, and we walked across Portage Avenue, checking for cars. This old enamel family checking for cars. We go across Portage Avenue, and we go across the University of Winnipeg, and we go up to Ellis Avenue, we'd still be completely as far as Niagara Falls. It's about 700 meters. It's a long, long, long walk. 
So it's really big and it's really beautiful. And you know, look at that. See? It looks like a horseshoe. That's the Canadian part of Niagara Falls. We have the best part. But don't tell him that. I think I told this one. It's absolutely ginormous. And people go there from all over the world to see it. It's absolutely huge. And Blake, it's a giant waterfall. Do you know how giant it is? We've got one liter of water in this jug, right? And I poured it really fast. Remember that time I did it in one second? Boom, that was really fast. And I hardly got any on my shoe. Listen, in Niagara Falls, two and a half million of these go over every second. That's a lot of water. It's so much water, it's hard for us to imagine unless we see it. It's absolutely crazy. And what I want you guys to do right now, I'm going to ask you to go back and sit with your parents because I'm going to ask someone to come up who's actually seen these giant waterfalls. Okay, guys, go back. Think about how big Niagara Falls is. It's huge, okay? Lots and lots of water. People are going to bring the Lord. My name is Usola. Usola. And Usola, what are you doing in Winnipeg? Now, the reason I asked Priscilla to come up here is that um, she was studying in Hamilton, Ontario for three months this summer. We had a little talk, and then a couple of weeks ago, we got talking about Niagara Falls, right? Yes. Now, and you told me you had been there recently. Why did you want to go to Niagara Falls? Sermon you'll hear this morning, and 
The reason I ask you, so let it come, and why am I talking about Niagara Falls? And I know Judy saw them last week. Um, when Lucilla first told me about going to see Niagara Falls, you know, my first reaction was, it was, oh wow. I was like, you know why? Because I've been there a few times. And it's always amazing when you go. But it's like, I, and I realized, and I thought afterwards, and as I was doing research on Niagara Falls for describing it to the kids, and how two and a half billion liters of water are pouring over there, not every hour or every minute, every second. It's crazy. And it's just terrible when you get up in quite a way to the crowds. And when you get up there, you're like, uh, you're overwhelmed by the majesty of it. When I had lost sight of that, I was just taking it for granted and going, oh yeah, and I followed Yeah, I biked to the traffic, biked to the tourists, see the tacky wagons, you know, oh, big deal. But I talked to someone else this morning who's seen it several times, and she said, man, I could, I could stay there for a while. Just amazing at the So it made me realize that sometimes we can take really amazing things for granted, even though it's startling and amazing, and God kind of cut me to the heart and said, Rick, you take nine falls for granted. What else are you taking for granted in your life? And I realized for many of us, it's easy to take the gospel for granted. There's the story of the by the way. They were really there. It's the gospel. And I read you this definition a couple of weeks ago of the gospel. Euangelion, what we call the gospel, is a Greek word signifying good, merry, glad, and joyful news that makes a man's heart glad and makes him sing, dance, and leap for joy. I'm not sure what makes you sing, dance, and leap for joy. But William Tyndall, the first translator of the English Bible, Bible into English, wrote this quote in 
a gift is not technically. I know with some friends of enemy, it's a little bit confusing. But by definition, is a gift deserved or undeserved? Undeserved. By definition, a gift is undeserved. And don't let complicated family and friend relationships tell you anything else. Some people when they give you a gift, they expect something back and things are a little bit odd. But by definition, a gift is a gift that's free. Okay? Yes, and the thought behind it is really answered right now. So, which leads us to, to Romans 6 22. The wages of sin is death. What we deserve for turning our back on a loving Creator and ignoring Him and doing our own thing is death. You know what? We get what we really want out of life. If we don't want to live with God while we're here on planet Earth, He reluctantly lets us have it away. If we want to be prideful and independent of God and say, eh, I don't need you, He'll say, you're breaking my heart, but I respect your decision. Because I made you a free will. And He lets us have what we want. But the gift of God, what he holds out to us, is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Which, when you think about it, is absolutely stupendous. But for many of us, like Niagara Falls, we can kind of take it for granted. And when someone gets all excited about this gift in Jesus, we go, that's nice. We don't really dance and celebrate. We don't think about the greatness and the awesome. And just doing a little bit of research on that, Niagara Falls the last couple of weeks has made me realize I can't wait to go back there again sometime and just soak it in. Well, not literally, but just admire it. See, Jesus, God says there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There's only one way to reconciliation with the Father. That is not politically correct. That may seem a little bit intolerant and narrow-minded, but that's it. All other attempts at getting to God are based on human effort. And ultimately, they fail because we're just not good enough. We can't do it on our own. And that's what's so marvelous about this gift of salvation. It's extended to undeserving people. Nobody deserves to be in God's family. And don't let anybody that impression, well, you know, because I'm a fifth generation Christian, and I've done all these things in the choir, because my family and blah, 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 it's like, no, no one deserves to be in God's family. It is the gift of a loving father to a bunch of rebellious no-goods who finally saw the light and said, God, help me. So God gave his only son only one way to God the Father, and God gave his only son. And what does it say about God and his love for the world? Those of us who are parents, would we willingly give up one of our children for the life of someone, especially someone who's not deserving? I don't think so. That wouldn't be my purpose to consider. But since God did not spare even his own son and gave him up for us all, will he also give us everything else he's 
Let me tell you a story, a, a true story of a Canadian missionary. His name was Don Richardson. He grew up in Western Canada, and he uh, <clears throat> went to Bible school in Alberta. In 1962, he and his wife Carol and their seven-month-old baby went to work among the Sawai tribe in what was then Dutch New Guinea. It's now Guinea Giant. The Sawai were known to be cannibalistic headhunters. Living with them in virtual isolation from the modern world involved exposure to malaria, dysentery, hepatitis, as well as the threat of violence. And yet, Don and Carol were trying to share the gospel, the good news about Jesus with these people. In their new home in the jungle, Richards, Richardson sat about learning the native Sawi language, which was daunting in its complexity. There are 19 tenses for every verb. Don and, and I admire anyone who can learn English as a <laughs> language. The 19 tenses for every verb. Don was soon able to become proficient in the dialect after a schedule of 8 or 10 hour daily learning sessions. Richardson labored to show the villagers a way they could comprehend Jesus from the Bible, but the cultural barriers were just too great until an unlikely event brought the concept of Jesus dying for our sins, made it relevant for the Salvation people. Here's a quote from uh, uh, a Christian historian. As Richardson learned the language and moved the people, he became more aware of the gulf that separated his Christian worldview from the worldview of the Salvation. In their eyes, Judas, not Jesus, was the hero of the Gospels. Jesus was just the sucker to be laughed at, because in their culture, anyone who could manipulate and lie, they were the heroes. So Judas was the hero of the story. And when they heard about Judas betraying Jesus, they laughed and thought that Judas was praying, oh, how do you explain the gospel to somebody who has values like that? Eventually, Richardson discovered what he referred to as a redemptive analogy that proved Jesus far more clearly than any biblical passage ever could. And what he discovered was the concept of the peace child. There were three villages at war with each other, constant fighting. The Richardsons were considering leaving the area, so to keep them there, the Sali people or the villages came together and said they would make peace with their hated enemies. Ceremonies commenced in which young children were exchanged between the opposing villages. One man in particular ran towards his enemy's camp and literally gave his own son to his hated enemy. Observing this, Richardson wrote, if a man would actually give his own son to his enemies, that man could be trusted. And from this rare picture came the analogy of God's sacrifice of his own son. And the Sawai began to understand the teaching of why Jesus came, what the gospel was all about, as Richardson explained God to them in this way. So whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. I don't refer often to Greek words, but that little word in, whoever believes in him, should really be translated into. It means us in, in Greek. It means into, whoever believes into Jesus will not perish. Because we can believe a lot of things. 
I believe in democracy. That's a good thing, especially with an election coming up. I believe the bombers, even though they disappoint me constantly. Yeah, I don't believe in the Jets. I believe they're going to have a better year than last year. So we can believe in some things, kind of theoretically. We can believe in what we call the applehood and mother, mother, sorry, <laughs> motherhood and apple pie. You caught it. Motherhood and apple pie kind of things. But believing into Jesus is totally different. That means you're putting your absolute trust, you're putting everything into it. Everything on you. You don't just believe, ah, Jesus is a good man. He's way more than a good man. And C.S. Lewis says, let's get away from this nonsense that just says that Jesus was a good religious teacher. Because anyone who said and did the things he did was either a lunatic, a devil from hell, or the Son of God. He said he was. Well, let's not have, just a second, let's not have any patronizing nonsense that Jesus So believing into Jesus means that we drill everything. It's kind of like if someone's throwing you a rescue line or a rope, you don't say, you just, you're all in. You're absolutely in when you believe into Jesus. And when that happens, you will not perish. We will not reap what we've sown. Praise God. Praise God. Never ask God for what you and if you do, I don't want to be standing next to you, okay? Because likely you'll be a little pile of ashes on the floor. Never ask God for what you deserve, but ask God for his mercy. Whoever believes into Jesus will not perish, but have eternal life. That eternal life does not start when you die. Eternal life starts walking with him every day. And that is the amazing thing about the gospel, is that Jesus is there ready to walk with us and help us to change, to transform us into what we are supposed to be in the first place. Don't wait until your funeral to start eternal life. If you're following Jesus, get in on it now. And if you're sitting on the fence about Jesus and you're not sure what you're waiting Pretty impressive, eh? It'll bring back some good memories, okay? From time to time, we just need a little reminder of the power of the gospel, how amazing it is, and how kind God is to us. That's why all through the Psalms, God tells his people, remember, remember, remember. It's good to have a good memory, okay? And remember what God has done. And don't live in the past. Use the memories from the past to empower you for the future. I really challenge you today to go home and savor and luxuriate the joy of the gospel and let the joy and the good news of the gospel become fresh all over again. And that's God to transform this week. Let's pray.
Father, we want to be a gospel church. We want to be a church where people experience truth and grace, freedom from sin and shame and be set free. I think the Niagara Falls, it's amazing when Priscilla said all those things that your sovereignty and your unending love, all these things that we take for granted when we think of Niagara Falls, it's amazing. Lord, please forgive us when we take salvation and the gospel for granted. Make it fresh again through your Holy Spirit. Help us to come back to you, to be recharged, re-energized, repurposed, and continually transformed. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.